The idea that we're going to be missing our chief executive for an extended period of time, not acceptable. Tonight, life after Tory, focusing on the aftermath of a whirlwind week and what lies ahead for Toronto's leadership. Good evening. We'll bring you that story shortly, but we begin tonight from Toronto's streets and details of a troubling weekend incident that has police stumped. They say a woman was forced into a BMW on Saturday night on the Allen Expressway. Nearly 48 hours later, there is still no sign of the vehicle nor the victim. CTV's Janice Golding is live near the area and joins us now. Janice, what can you tell us? Hi, Zerada. Well, Toronto police certainly have a mystery on their hands. They're trying to piece together exactly what happened to a young woman who went missing on the busy Allen Expressway here over the weekend, and they're hoping the public can help them fill in some details. Toronto police are trying to determine if a woman was abducted over the weekend. A young Asian woman seen walking on the island in the middle of the busy Allen Expressway before she got into an altercation with a man. And it appeared that there was a man who was heavyset forcing a young woman into a vehicle. Police say a witness reported seeing a car pulled over on the highway shoulder between Eglinton and Lawrence Avenue West before the woman disappeared. A car police have identified through city cameras as a dark-colored BMW 3 Series. Yeah, it's kind of alarming, really. Oh, it's messed up. Like. We are not safe anymore anywhere. Not on the trains, not on the TTC, just anywhere. Everybody is scared about the, when things like this happen in, in, in the, the community. At this point, police say they have yet to identify the young woman and they're appealing to the public to help them figure out what exactly they're dealing with. Well, obviously very scary, but I find it very weird for someone to be walking on Allen Road. People don't tend to walk there. There's no sidewalk or anything like that. So, yeah, that's a little strange and kind of a bizarre situation. Police say their priority at this point is to determine that the woman is safe and unharmed. She is described as uh, a younger, a young woman or a late teenager, a female Asian uh, with long black hair and she was wearing a white puffy jacket. So um, if you know what happened or if you even think this may have been you and this is not an abduction and you're okay, please contact us and just let us know that you're okay. The vehicle involved in this incident was last seen heading northbound on the Allen. At this point, the images of the car are so blurry, police do not have a license plate, so they're asking anyone who may have taken dash cam or cell phone video that evening to contact them. And again, if you are the young lady in question, police would like to hear from you if you are able to call them. Reporting live from Janice Golding, now back to Zoraida. Thank you, Janice. An update now to a story we first brought you last night. A Milton man is facing serious charges after a robbery attempt at a Milton residence. Police were called to the home early Sunday. They say two people had been shot at when they tried to break into the house. One of them was killed. The other was later arrested. A 22-year-old man who lives in the home has now been charged with second-degree murder. Police are searching for three other people who sped away from the incident in a white car. West of Toronto, today's holiday has turned tragic for people living in a Brampton apartment. They awoke to an out-of-control blaze early this morning. Tonight, they're mourning the loss of one of their fellow residents. CTV's John Musselman is at the apartment tonight and joins us live. John. Well, Nathan, the man was pulled out of a third-floor unit in the building behind me, and investigators are now trying to determine what caused this fire. This viewer video shows smoke billowing from the third-story apartment unit near Kennedy and Clarence Streets in Brampton. When firefighters arrived on the scene around 8.20 this morning, they pulled a man out. He was rushed to hospital, but he did not survive. Connie Northcott lives a few floors above the fire scene. Uh, my husband woke me up. 
because he was already out. So when he came back, he said, "Get, you know, the fire alarm goes off when the water temperature goes down sometimes, so you don't really get nervous. And this morning it went off, and he said the building is on fire, and I said, oh, my God, really? The victim's name has not been released. Neighbors tell CTV News they only knew him by his first name, John. He lived alone, and neighbors say he was in his mid to late 40s. Like, he would say, hello to you. He never had a problem with anybody. I didn't see him have a problem with anybody. But if you said hello to him, he would say hello to you back. Oh, God, so sad. So sad for him. He was a very nice, quiet guy, you know. Never had no trouble with him. The building was evacuated, and a transit bus was brought to the scene to offer residents and their pets a warm place out of the cold. Mike Keene's 79-year-old mother lives in the unit two floors above the fire scene. Nervous because she's got bad lungs, so um, that makes her almost 80. So, investigators with the fire marshal's office have been called in to try and determine the cause. It's tragic when you see anybody lose their life in a fire, and and today being family day, it even hits home even more. And I I think it's just a reminder to everybody watching that please think of fire safety. Make sure you, you check your smoke alarms, your carbon monoxide alarms. If you have a fire, know what to do in the event of a fire and how to escape so you can get out safely. Residents were allowed back into the apartment building just before noon. The third floor unit remained sealed off during this investigation. And investigators with the fire marshal's office remain on the scene here. They are going through that unit. What they're hoping to find out here is uh, what was the ignition source for this deadly fire. Reporting live in Brampton, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back inside to you. All right, thank you, John. Coming up, a year of resilience. A new exhibit in Toronto honors the strength and perseverance of the people of Ukraine one year after Russia's invasion. Well, a live look at the city tonight. It's been a mild Monday to kick off the week and a pleasant one for families to enjoy. But that is about to end soon. Jessica Smith is here now with a look at our current conditions. Jess, a special weather statement is now in effect. It is. We are watching for this to really play out Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So plan ahead when it comes to that commute as you end your day midweek and get in towards your Thursday. But for now, overall, not all that bad. As Rada mentioned, it has been a beautiful weekend, really start to finish with temperatures well above that seasonal mark. But this special weather statement blankets all of southern Ontario, and that's ahead of a Colorado low that is going to pick up some moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, intensify, and bring rain, freezing rain, and some ice pellets. It is the ice with this storm that is going to be the biggest issue because we're looking at that kind of accumulating on the ground, and it could make for a very challenging drive late Wednesday into our Thursday morning. Temperature-wise, around the Golden Horseshoe, it's comfortable, right? We still have a bit of a wind chill, so there's that need for a layer or two as you make your way through the rest of your evening. As we make our way through the islands over towards Pearson, hovering between 2 and about 4 degrees, a bit of a northwesterly breeze that's adding that bite to the air. Tonight, dropping down to minus 3, it will feel like minus 9, which is closer to that seasonal mark, but things are set to change as we watch the storm roll through and colder weather is behind it. Those details coming up. Nathan. All right, thank you, Jessica. Well, you could not have asked for better late February weather to be out celebrating Family Day, and a lot of people appear to agree. Here's our Austin Delaney with a recap. We find the Lee family about to go up the CN Tower. This family day is a big deal because it is their first outing together since the pandemic hit three years ago. We even went out to a restaurant to eat indoor. At the Beltway, a skating party under the gardener and a bit of downtime to reflect on the holiday and what it means. Family day means spending some quality time with this one right here. This is... uh, 
It's just a joy. It's a joy. It's like one of the most important things in life. The significance of the day seemingly not lost on anyone. It's an opportunity to hang out with the family, like do fun stuff like this that you wouldn't get a chance to, uh, to do normally with all the weekend activities that you sort of uh, consume by as a family. So it's, you know, gives us that chance to be together. <laughs> out by the dog park, we run into pets and their families. I was going to hang out with the pup, spend some time with her, and then head out to, uh, to some friends for... I didn't later on. The Demars are in town from Ottawa, a last-minute opportunity to see family they haven't seen in a long time. My brother uh, had a flight to Toronto and had a layover, and I hadn't seen him in a while, so we just took the trip down to see him and booked a hotel and made the best of it. It is just great to have an extra day off. It's so good having a day off from school because I just started high school too. So, you know, it's a lot of work. Getting a day off is pretty fun. The Brickworks, lots of family activities, the kids riding the train, toasted marshmallows, and of course, the maze. I got to do the maze. I took 27 minutes to go through it. People finding the long weekend a nice midwinter break. It's nice having the holiday in February kind of breaks up the long winter month, and it's nice to spend time with, you know, family doing fun stuff. Happy family day. Austin Delaney, CTV News. A quiet city hall is pretty common during most holidays, but there is one corner of the building with a noticeable absence. For the first time in eight years, Toronto begins its week without John Tory in the mayor's office. And the hole in the top job leaves a lot of questions about the future of the city. CTV's Allison Hurst joins us now with more. Allison. Nathan, exactly that. Right now, though, Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey is currently sitting in that swap, but that is just temporary. As she says she's not planning to run for mayor. City Hall is quiet this holiday Monday, despite the buzz around who is going to compete for the top job. This is more like a referendum on the future of our city. But it's one that's still months away. The worst case scenario, say experts, is early September. There's a lot of challenges facing the city. The idea that we're going to be missing our chief executive for an extended period of time, not acceptable. Procedure states council must meet to declare the mayor's seat vacant, even though John Tory officially stepped down on Friday. That meeting is scheduled for March 29th. To move up the timeline, there would have to be a special council meeting. I haven't heard an appetite to, to sort of call one in the next week or two. Uh, we have a date on the calendar at the end of March. Two-time councillor Brad Bradford says he's considering running for mayor. But in the meantime, we'll work closely with colleagues and interim mayor Jennifer McKelvey to govern the city. People want more faster, right? There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of frustration with just how long it takes to get things done. Other potential candidates weighing options include Mitzi Hunter, MPP for Scarborough Gilwood, and former Deputy Mayors Anna Bayao and Denzel Minen Wong. I'm really thinking about it very seriously and asking myself some questions. Can I compete with the people who have failed the city? Defense lawyer Ari Goldkind ran for mayor in 2014. I just think the city has gotten worse in the last eight years. There are also a few familiar faces from last fall's election. Gil Penalosa, runner-up in 2022, has declared his intention to run, as has Blake Acton. Council will decide whether the nomination period is 30 or 60 days, and then voters will go to the polls 45 days after that period ends. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Nathan, back to you. All right, thank you, Allison. Queen's Park has also been quiet, but the holidays are about to end for the province's politicians. MPPs are back to work on Tuesday with a full plate, and there promises to be a lot of contention once business gets underway. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now with a preview. Siobhan, what can we expect?
Well, Zoretta, it's been 74 days since all the MPPs were together here at the legislature. And since then, the volume's really been turned up on some tricky issues, including greenbelt development and health care. It's a new year, a new session, but familiar problems will dog the PC government as MPPs return to the legislature. Questions remain about the Premier's relationship with developers out of the redrawing of the Greenbelt to build more homes. Developers were on the guest list for the stag and doe and wedding of one of Doug Ford's daughters. We've known tens of thousands of people over the years, and I don't sit there with a checklist as they're coming through the door. Absolutely ridiculous. About $150 stag? You've got to be kidding me. The integrity commissioner found no problem with those events after the fact. He's still looking at whether the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing might have tipped developers off about coming greenbelt changes. The Auditor General is examining the environmental and financial impacts of the reconfiguration. The OPP hasn't decided whether to launch a criminal investigation. Government denials of wrongdoing may not be enough. It just pokes a lot of holes at um, the image of a government that is for the people. And it also demonstrates that the premier is also part of the elite. Um, and so they're going to have to counter that, that narrative. An opportunity, Joseph says, for the opposition. I'm pretty feisty in there and I expect I will be again. Preparing for her first question period as NDP leader, Merritt Stiles is focused on health care. We're really concerned um, about public health care dollars being moved into for-profit clinics, where really it's about you know, the shareholder's bottom line as opposed to patient care. Legislation to allow private clinics to take on more cataract surgeries now and knee and hip replacements later is expected early in the session. It means faster service, faster access to service. And it means that those individuals who've been waiting can get back to their families and communities in a faster way. Ontario plans to stick with the greater role for clinics even after the pandemic surgical backlog is cleared. Something else to keep an eye on, especially over the next few weeks, maybe even months, is the slow rebuild of the Liberal Party. Rules for their leadership contest will be hammered out in early March. And remember that Green Party leader Mark Schreiner has, says, has said he is considering a run. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Siobhan. Just ahead, coming in for the save, Blue Jay manager John Schneider performs the Heimlich maneuver to save a woman choking on her food at a Florida restaurant. A Toronto driver walked away from a rollover unscathed and with quite a story to tell. The woman says she was traveling early this morning near Jarvis and Carleton when a raccoon crossed her path. She says to avoid the critter, she swerved into a parked minivan, causing her car to flip. No injuries were reported. Police say there were no signs of impairment. Crews managed to quickly clean up the crash scene. The province's police watchdog is looking into the circumstances of a collision in Pickering this morning. The crash near Brock Road in Bailey sent one man to hospital with serious injuries. At least two cars were involved. Durham police are not revealing a possible cause, but they say they're trying to find another person who took off from the scene. The SIU is called in for incidents involving police that result in death, serious injury or sexual assault. But it does not cover every police jurisdiction in the province. Tonight, one officer with an Indigenous force in Ontario's north says that needs to change after falling victim, she says, to a series of sexual assaults. CTV's John Woodward has this investigative report. Working at the Anishinaabe Aski Police Service was Constable Don Loker's dream job. 
probably the happiest day of my life when I got that call. After several violent incidents, the toll of working alone in remote communities without backup had an impact. Severe post-traumatic stress. That's just what happens when you're by yourself and you have a lack of resources. When she returned to work after a leave in 2019, she was assigned a partner to help. Instead, she claims in a $50 million human rights complaint, that partner sexually assaulted her three times in the police station and in police vehicles. He stole me. Well, he, he, he took me away from me. And, and now I, I don't have my career, my dream job anymore. That's gone. The filings say NAPS carried out its own internal investigation, which substantiated an allegation of discreditable conduct against Constable Kenneth Charles for sexual acts at work. The filings also say NAPS forwarded Loker's complaint within hours of receiving it to the OPP, which also investigated but declined to lay criminal charges. In all the reports that I've read, show that there was tremendous bias. There were tremendous bias and irregularities in what happened in the investigations. Loker's lawyer Gary Bennett says Loker believed the police investigations couldn't be truly independent and asked for a civilian-led investigation from the province's special investigation unit, but was denied. That's because unlike municipal forces or the OPP, indigenous police forces like NAPS aren't under the SIU's jurisdiction unless they agree to be. Ontario is kind of the lone, the lone jurisdiction, the lone province that that operates in that way. Um, it really comes down to, yeah, it comes down to the the set aside agreements that the local First Nations or Indigenous community has with the provincial and federal government, and whether they want that type of oversight or not. Legislation in Ontario was passed in 2019 to make it easier for these agreements to be made, but it hasn't yet been enacted. Constable Charles's lawyer told us, We state simply that our client steadfastly and vehemently denies the allegations against him. Regardless of whether our client remains a named party, we are convinced that the tribunal will absolve Mr. Charles from any wrongdoing, just as two prior impartial investigators have done with respect to these and other allegations made by Ms. Loker. NAPS is also fighting the claim and through its lawyer said in the last five years NAPS has not had any circumstances with its officers and civilians that have resulted in serious injury, death or allegations of sexual assault, the usual criteria for SIU involvement. Loker feels the gap in oversight is another way remote Ontario communities are being let down. These communities that we work in are vulnerable enough. So has this happened to them? Communities Loker worries after this, she'll never get to police again. John Woodward, CTV News. And if you have a story for CTV News Investigates, please let us know. You can email investigate at ctv.ca or visit our website for more secure and anonymous ways to get in touch. Turkey's been hit by another earthquake as the country is still reeling from the catastrophe two weeks ago. Three people were killed, more than 200 others injured in today's magnitude 6.4 earthquake. It was centered in the Hitay province, one of the worst hit regions on February 6th. Today's quake collapsed more buildings, leaving some people trapped. Scores of injuries were also reported in neighboring Syria. It was followed by a second magnitude 5.8 quake. The larger quakes earlier this month killed more than 47,000 people in Turkey and Syria. Hundreds of thousands of homes were destroyed or damaged.
Pyongyang is ramping up tensions on the Korean peninsula. It fired two short-range ballistic missiles today, the second test launch in three days. Both South Korea and Japan have condemned such launches as threats to international peace. The missiles landed in the sea and there was no damage, but they flew distances that suggest most of South Korea is in range. Protesters were back on the streets of Israel today. This was the scene outside the Knesset where demonstrators gathered ahead of a first reading of controversial reforms. The government wants to make judicial changes, including limits on the Supreme Court's ability to strike down legislation. It said the proposals are designed to end the court's overreach into politics. U.S. President Joe Biden's back in Poland tonight after crossing the border for an unannounced visit to Ukraine. Biden's show of solidarity sent a message to the Ukrainian people and the Kremlin as a somber anniversary approaches. CTV's Richard Madden reports. A surprise visit wrapped in history and symbolism. U.S. President Joe Biden on Ukrainian soil to personally reaffirm America's commitment as the bloody war nears its grim one-year anniversary. One year later, Kyiv stands and Ukraine stands. Democracy stands. The Americans stand with you. The unprecedented trip and meeting with Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky took months of planning with details kept secret. Air raid sirens blared as the two leaders toured Kyiv. After paying tribute at the Wall of Remembrance, Biden promised another half billion in aid and equipment, a powerful show of unity, he says, against Russian President Vladimir Putin. He thought he could outlast us. I don't think he's thinking that right now, but he's just been playing wrong. As the war rages, the U.S. has accused Russia of committing war crimes in Ukraine and now warns China may help arm Russia in what the U.S. calls a red line. There are various kinds of lethal assistance that they are at least contemplating providing to include weapons. And while the U.S. declined Ukraine's demands for fighter jets, Biden promised the West will remain a strong ally in their fight. Freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. The White House also confirming Biden took a 10-hour train ride from Poland into Kyiv, also revealing the Kremlin was alerted a few hours before the president landed in Ukraine, but officials won't say how Russia responded. Richard Madden, CTV News, Washington. The anniversary of Russia's invasion is also being marked here closer to home. CTV Sean Lee Thong reports on a new exhibit looking back at a year of war and resilience. Snapshots from a year at war of a country battered by bombs, protecting what's important and struggling to survive. This is really about human beings. It's about how, what people are living through. This afternoon, Lieutenant Governor Elizabeth Downswell opened an exhibit called The Year of Resilience, a collection of about 40 photographs from the past 12 months in Ukraine. We've learned a lot about how interconnected we are as global citizens. This is a reminder of what's really important to us, I think. Just four days shy of the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Consulate General for Ukraine Oleksandr Savchenko says it's important to see how war has shaped his country. This is a great opportunity to show, to demonstrate to Canadians, to Torontians, you know, to the politicians, uh, to show the spirit of those people. 
The collection was created by a Ukrainian community group called The Fourth Wave. The images are striking, like this one, of a young girl sitting atop the rubble of her apartment, knowing her parents have been killed inside. Um, what next? What, he will be, what she will be doing for life, she alone. Or this image of a young boy hardened by war. They aim to be thought-provoking. I think Ukrainian men and women are doing fantastic job there defending freedom and democracy for Ukraine and Europe. The collection will be on display in Lieutenant Governor's suite at Queen's Park this week before moving to Toronto City Hall next week. Sean Leethong, CTV News. And there was a show of solidarity in Ottawa where a 30-meter Ukrainian flag was unveiled today. Yellow and blue, which symbolize blue sky and fields of wheat. The sky, which is peaceful and secure, and the fields of wheat that provide the grain to the world. And that's how it should be soon after our victory. Hundreds of supporters packed a bridge over the Rideau Canal to show their support. Many wore yellow and blue or carried their own flags during the event. It was attended by members of the diplomatic community, including Governor General Mary Simon. In the UK, the king met with military instructors from several nations today, including Canada. The monarch visited Wiltshire, England, where Ukrainian recruits are being trained by British and international forces. They received five weeks of instruction before returning home to fight. 10,000 have received the training in the past six months, with 20,000 more expected this year. Canada is among more than 30 nations pledging support for an international ban on Russian and Belarusian athletes. In a statement today, the country's call on the International Olympic Committee to clarify its definition of neutrality. They say there are serious concerns about the athletes competing on a neutral basis. That's because they're directly funded and supported by their states. Recent proposals from the IOC suggest it's exploring a pathway to allow the athletes to return to competition, including next year's Olympics. Coming up, change may be coming in breast cancer treatment. Why skipping radiation therapy could be an option for some patients. The results of a new study still ahead. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, have you ever thought of buying property in another country? If you do, you have to be careful. A Toronto man tried to buy a flat in England and lost his deposits of more than $40,000. I'll have my reports just ahead. We are watching for a messy mix to start the day tomorrow, so give yourself some extra time getting yourself and the kids ready for school. We won't see a washout of a day, but there is more active weather on the way. I'll have your full forecast coming. Stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Buying a home is a big decision with lots of paperwork and legal documents, and the process can be more complicated if you're buying something outside of Canada. A Toronto man found that out the hard way when he was trying to purchase a flat in London, England. Pat Foran explains on Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan Anzarita, a Toronto coffee shop owner, wanted to buy a place in England to be closer to his family. He took part in an online auction and won the bid, but he lost his deposit when the flat was going to cost him a lot more than he thought it would. What was the reason you wanted this flat over in England? So I could spend time with my brothers. Mazur Jaffrey runs the Cafe on the Hill coffee shop in Toronto. 
How's your morning? It's great. Yeah? How's your coffee? It's delicious. It's fantastic. Jaffrey was born in England and decided he wanted to buy a property there to be closer to his brothers. He entered an online auction and had the winning bid of 421000 Canadian dollars for a fourth floor one-bedroom flat. He was asked to send a deposit of $44,000. They had this property uh, which appeared to be a very good uh, opportunity. When you buy property in the UK, you may also have to pay extra for a land lease. Jaffrey thought the lease would cost him an extra $226,000, but instead the extra cost had to be negotiated and could be as much as 700000 He decided to not go through with the purchase. It was no longer a deal. Jaffrey tried to get his bank to reverse the money he sent, but it was too late and the deposit was non-refundable. Buying a short leasehold flat in the UK is for experts only, really. You shouldn't really entertain this unless you know exactly what you're doing. CTV News contacted Auction House London. They called Jaffrey's situation unfortunate. The company says it did over 1,200 sales of properties last year and that anyone bidding on a flat must be aware of all legal documents, which will show additional costs. Please, 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 if you're ever thinking of buying a property in the UK, please read the legal pack. We don't enjoy people losing deposits. Jaffrey says walking away from his deposit of $44,000 has been difficult. He's hopeful one day he'll own a place in England to be closer to his family. Obviously, this is uh, you know, something that's going to cause me a fair bit of grief. And Jaffrey filed a complaint with the banking ombudsman, but it said his bank was not responsible for the loss because they followed his instructions and took reasonable steps to try and recall the money transfer. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. All right, today's family day, and it's nice that the weather is really giving us a break again today. Yeah, this was, I think, the nicest family day that I can recall in recent memory. I won't take full credit for it, but I am going to say you're welcome to everybody. It was a beautiful weekend, really, from start to finish. We saw sunshine throughout the day today, making it comfortable to get out and enjoy family day with your family, or if you're at work, getting a break outside. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Now, I hope you were able to get out and enjoy some of the weather this weekend because it is going to change drastically as we head in towards the middle of the week. We are watching for a round of some active weather to make its way through early tomorrow, but not a washout of a day. Temperature-wise, it remains really mild. We're sitting at 2, it feels like minus 2, but you can see where that cold air kind of cuts off from areas kind of north of Thunder Bay and north of North Bay. We're looking at those wind chill values in parts of northern Ontario into that minus 30, 40 range. We are going to get colder here in the south, not that cold, but there is a change that takes place after our storm system makes its way through midweek. Uh, for now, we're looking at our low tonight, minus 3. It will feel like minus 9. A little further east towards Peterborough, Bancroft, Kingston, it is a little chillier. But we are generally kind of above that seasonal norm as we head through the overnight. Getting into the day tomorrow, another mild one, 6 degrees, the daytime high. We should be at plus 1. But we are going to see uh, a bit of a messy mix make, it, make its way through. That's thanks to a low that's going to come out of kind of Minnesota over the Great Lakes and will affect us here uh, for the morning commute. So give yourself some extra time. There's a system right there. It's going to continue tracking its way across as we head through our day uh, tomorrow. So just keep that in mind again. Give yourself time for that morning commute, but this will not be a washout of a day. Just some rain snow mix as we get in towards kind of the, the morning commute into the lunch hour. 
We are keeping an eye, though, on that storm system, prompting special weather statements right across southern Ontario. Again, we get into tomorrow morning, right in time for that commute. It moves relatively quickly, and although we see the chance for active weather into the later part of our day, really we're looking at a, a not a bad afternoon ahead of us, maybe even a little sunshine here and there. It's as we get in towards Wednesday, we get through the bulk of our day, not too bad. It's through around 6 o'clock where this really starts to creep in. It starts in towards Hamilton, and then we'll make its way across. The biggest issue with this is the freezing rain and the ice pellets. It starts Wednesday night. We're looking at this continuing into Thursday morning. So give yourself time for both of those commutes. Mild as we get through the day tomorrow, we will start to cool down as we head in towards Wednesday. But the shift in our temperatures, the major drop takes place as we head in towards our Thursday night. Any of that precipitation that does fall likely to freeze and that continues as we head in towards Friday when it gets even colder. The good news, there is a bit of a reprieve as we head in towards the end of the weekend. But really, we're looking at a cold end to the month of February. Nathan. All right. Thank you, Jess. One of the UK's top funny men is making the rounds in our neck of the woods. This week, after the break, we hear from Jake, make that Jack Whitehall about his career visiting Canada and chicken. Some key information tonight that could improve the future of cancer treatments. New research suggests certain breast cancer patients may be able to skip radiation therapy without greatly affecting their survival rates. CTV's health reporter Pauline Chan explains. The study looks at women over 65 in a low-risk category. With hormone receptor positive tumours, where the glands underneath the arm were negative and the excision margins of the tumour were clear. Just over 1,300 women were followed for 10 years, with about half receiving follow-up radiation therapy after surgery and hormone therapy, and half receiving no radiation. In women who did get radiation, there was a local recurrence of cancer in 0.9%, while the figure was 9.5% in those who got no radiation. But that recurrence rate in the non-irradiated group uh, lies within the 1%. Uh, recurrence rate which is within standard guidelines and we didn't show any uh, difference in overall survival nor did we show uh, any difference in the risk of seeding of the cancer to distant sites what we call metastases. In other words there was no difference in the rate of the cancer spreading. Professor Ian Kunkler points out that radiation treatments are far different than they were 20 years ago. They are gentler and last fewer weeks, meaning less chance of pain or tissue damage than in the past. The choice between radiotherapy and no radiotherapy to some extent has become a bit more nuanced. But with this latest study showing no harm in skipping radiation for certain women... It's an option for uh, patients to discuss with their clinicians. Pauline Chan, CTV News. A Canadian icon is adding a personal touch to this year's Terry Fox run. Actor Ryan Reynolds has designed the shirts for the event. He posted a photo of himself wearing one that shows a picture of Fox running during the Marathon of Hope with the backdrop of Dear Terry written in both English and French. The Terry Fox Foundation says the design was inspired by the countless messages Fox received from the people he continues to inspire. The shirts will go on sale when registration opens for the 43rd annual run on April 12th. British comedian Jack Whitehall is on his biggest tour ever of North America. He played Massey Hall on the weekend in Ottawa last night. And that's where CTV's Andrea Case caught up with him today. Andrea. 
Nathan Manzarita, good evening. In Jack Whitehall's routine, nothing and no one is off limits, including Prince Harry. Now, their paths have crossed on a couple of occasions, and Whitehall says his audiences are ready for the royal jokes and other observations when he hits the stage. Amazing. Ensconced in a hotel room in Ottawa, Jack Whitehall is a happy man because we have Nando's chicken here in Canada as they do in the UK. I'm full of Nando's now, so I'm great. Which is why, if you're ever taking a girl on a date, there is only one place and one place alone that you can take them. Any takers? Nando's! As a child in school, he focused on acting, but when he didn't get the leading roles, thanks to fellow schoolmate Robert Pattinson, he turned to laughter. I was a massive show-off, and it was a really good outlet for that. And maybe I wasn't a very good actor, and so wasn't getting cast in many school plays, and so needed to find another way of getting people to listen to me. Now listen here, you buffoon. If you scuttle any more of my luggage, I will... Gosh, there's a lot of you. Today, Whitehall is a triple threat. Actor, comedian, and presenter. Very much I enjoy your company. No, I don't think so. For five seasons, for many it was his TV show called Travels with My Father that got their attention. But Michael Whitehall wasn't always keen on his son's career choice. Sad that it's come to an end. My dad was very adamant that I wasn't to become an actor because he said that I would just be out of work all the time. I was carted off to university, but then was secretly on the sly doing stand-up comedy as my side hustle and then it became my uh, main hustle and I told him. No person is off limits for this joke smith. We want privacy! We want privacy! Including Prince Harry who along with wife Meghan was recently roasted on South Park. Whitehall says when you lay your life out in print ridicule should be expected. I've met him a few times. He seems like he's got a good sense of humour. And also, I think if you put out into the world that you had a frostbitten penis, you expect it to become the punchline of a couple of comedians' routine. Royals, like comedians, he says, need to have a thick skin. You've got to stick at it, have the height of a rhinoceros, <laughs> and uh, just keep writing. Now, the tour wraps up on March 3rd in San Francisco, but he still has a few days open. So his suggestion, Quebec City, Winnipeg, London, or Hamilton, places he's never been but is keen to perform. What do you say? I'm Andrea Case reporting for CTV News. Zoraida, I'll send it back to you. All good choices. Thank you, Andrea. Involuntary manslaughter charges against Alec Baldwin have been downgraded. The actor was charged last month in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the film Rust in 2021. Well, now prosecutors have filed altered charges. They say it is to avoid further litigious distractions by Baldwin and his attorneys. The change reduces the possible prison sentence from a minimum of five years to a maximum of 18 months. It also applies to the movie's armorer who faces the same charges. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, Schneider with the save. The incredible story involving the Jay Skipper and his life-rescuing maneuver. Continuing a musical journey. Tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. Tragically hip bassist Gord Sinclair on his new album and honoring his inspiration. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. It appeared that there was a man who was heavy set forcing a young woman into a vehicle. Updating our top stories, police are asking for the public's help finding a car involved in a possible abduction over the weekend. The alleged incident happened at around 9 on Saturday night. 
near Allen Road in Eglinton. I think she'll be a bit of a learning curve to, to you know, to be able to champion um, the city's priorities to the province and to the federal government. City Hall was quiet today as Toronto begins its first week without an elected mayor. Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey has assumed many of the responsibilities of the office, but people are now looking ahead to election, which could still be up to seven months away. A lot has happened since we broke before the holidays. Um, we've, of course, learned about the government's plans to bring in more for-profit health care into the province. The four governments expected to face some tough questions when Ontario's legislature resumes tomorrow. The opposition is focused on health care, as well as the Integrity Commissioner's ongoing investigation into whether the province tipped off developers about changes to the Greenbelt. In baseball, the manager is used to watching the action from the dugout, but in a rare instance, the Blue Jays' John Schneider found himself at the centre of attention. Schneider's being hailed a hero after saving a stranger from choking. CTV's Raheem Ladani reports. The Toronto Blue Jays have opened up training camp in Dunedin, Florida. But two kilometres away from the ballpark is where the team made a life-saving play. It was a dire need to have some help there. Uh, and there was panic and he was, I hear, cool as a cucumber running over there. It's here at the Clear Sky Drought House where the restaurant manager says John Schneider, the Blue Jays bench boss, was having lunch with his wife a couple weeks ago when he noticed someone at another table choking. A woman was struggling with some food and a, a person in their party tried to help and wasn't having much success and he uh, jumped into action. The 43-year-old quickly remembered his training of the Heimlich maneuver, which he says he had learned back in grade six. Schneider performed the move and dislodged a shrimp. Your goal is to clear this object, and it's literally popping a bag uh, by taking that air, squeezing it as hard as you can to force that object up in it. The Red Cross suggests alternating between any two of back blows, abdominal thrusts or chest thrusts until the object comes out and to refresh your training every three years. When crisis occurs, you're not going to do it perfectly, but you're going to do a good job with it. And all it is is a good job to buy some time. After Schneider's life-saving heroics, the Blue Jays manager casually sat back down at his table. It says something about a character, which I, obviously he has. It's pretty neat. It's exciting. As a thank you, the restaurant sent over a couple beers on the house. It looked like an IPA. That's what I heard. Some well-deserved suds for Schneider's star performance. Raheem Ladani, CTV News. After the break, an homage to a Toronto urban legend and the art installation taking over the beach this winter. Highlights and more coming up in just a few minutes. Tonight, controversial changes to the works of a celebrated children's author. Hey, little boy. My chocolate must be untouched by human hands. Revisions to Roald Dahl's popular classics prompting heated debate. Later on CTV National News. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts and watch live. Download the CTV News app. We leave you tonight with a wave of new artwork hitting Woodbine Beach this family day. Here's our Scott Lightfoot on the exhibit that hopes to lighten moods during these gloomy winter months. It's an annual art and design exhibition along the shore of Lake Ontario. It's always an interesting uh, visit. Uh, every year we come down here and it's, uh, since 2016, um, so it's always something new and exciting. For the ninth year, large outdoor design exhibits have taken over the lifeguard stands along Woodbine Beach, all part of winter stations. 
it's always nice to see art out and for the masses because we don't often get to see it and I think it's really important especially for the younger people who are enjoying the different installations right now. This year the theme of the exhibition is radiance and like today's weather several of the pieces are bright and colorful. This one is called Lifeline. We're trying to express radiance through a collective experience something that's shared among many people um, and that radiates far beyond its original source. Along with the five designs selected through competition, there are also three student designs from Ontario universities, including the first ever augmented reality exhibit accessed by scanning a QR code with your smartphone. You can walk through the installation. As you walk through the center of it, you can see, uh, you know, the installation objects will react to your position or location and your proximity to the installation. Along with being eye-catching, the exhibits also allow people to touch and feel. It's g really good. I think that that one right there is so cool. And in the case of The Home, a structure with Toronto neighborhood names displayed colorfully along its sides, visitors can actually go inside. Our idea was to create um, a structure to celebrate this, this idea of like home will be loved neighborhood where people feel safe and loved. This year, Winter Station plans a satellite exhibition in Etobicoke and Mississauga. The Woodbine Beach Station will be on display until the end of March. Scott Lightfoot, CTV News. All right, so nice to see. How are things looking for tonight? It's going to be a fantastic night. Family Day, Family Day Long Weekend has really been start to finish. A great one to enjoy time outside. And the forecast has been favorable. I hope you were able to get out today because things change as we head into the day tomorrow. But we are really focused on Wednesday and that system that comes late and in towards our Thursday morning. But for now, let's focus on the positive, and that is that we have a clear night ahead of us. There's that system, though, making its way through Wisconsin that is going to eventually track its way in towards southern Ontario. That will bring a bit of a messy mix tomorrow morning, but overall, we're looking at not a bad day. It's Wednesday we're watching for, right? Uh, Temperature-wise, right around the Golden Horseshoe, sitting at 2 degrees for us here in the city of Toronto. Everybody hovering kind of just at or above the freezing mark for the most part. Tonight, it will be beautiful. We're looking at the wind chill a little lighter, the winds a little lighter. It's as we get into the day on Wednesday that we are watching for things to change. The temperatures start to drop and we are watching for this Colorado low to roll in late Wednesday, early Thursday. So give yourself extra time for that Wednesday evening commute and that Thursday morning drive. All right. Thank you, Jazz. And be sure to join Omar Sachidina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Jessica Smith and all of us here at CTV News, thanks for watching. Have a good night. We'll see you at 1130. Good night.